And so we've been talking through culture shift. We were talking through our vision and we had a team that looked at the vision of our church over the course of about eight months and said, what does it look like for our church to live out our vision? And it became crystal clear to me that what needs to happen is a culture shift, not just corporately, not just in strategy, but for each and every one of us, there needs to be a culture shift that, that the way we do things changes, that the way we feel about things changes. Not that we change the message of the gospel, not that we change our faith in God, but that the way we operate on a daily basis, that, that we would have a culture shift. I want to start, I've, I've mentioned this book a few times, I'm sorry for continuing to bring up the same book, but I read a book a while ago called Good to Great, and when you read one book a year, you're going to quote that book a lot, right? I'm just kidding, I've read like two. But, um, but Good to Great, is a, it's a really good book, it's a leadership book, it's by Jim Collins, and basically what that book looks at is it looks at companies that went from being good or average or even below average and made a shift to being great. And, con and continued to be great. And so what they would do in the book is they would take two companies that, that were similar, that were competitors, and they would show how one company took off and became great and the things that made them that way. I, I want to tell you one of the stories from that book. I'm going to read some of it to you. Um, in the early 1950s, the great Atlantic and Pacific Tea Company, commonly known as A&P, stood as the largest retailing organization in the world and one of the largest corporations in the United States. Do any of you remember A&P? Anybody? Raise your hand. Uh, when I read this book, I had no clue who A&P was. Just, you know, full disclosure there. So A&P was this company, I mean, about half of you raised your hand, that was, it was awesome. They were way up at the top, and there was this other little company that wasn't so high up, that was kind of a middle of the road, even maybe below the average market company. Some of you may have heard of this company, it's called Kroger. If you look that way and pretend that you can see through a wall, you would see Kroger. And so the, the good to great comparison here is A&P, which was great, and Kroger, which was middle of the road. And, and I want to read a little bit about, uh, about how this all went down. In the 1960s, so the first half of the century, um, A&P was strong, everything was good, but then in the 1960s, A&P began to falter while Kroger began to lay foundations for a transition into a great company. From 1959 to 1973, both companies lagged a little bit behind the market with Kroger pulling a little bit ahead of A&P. After that, the two companies completely diverged and over the next 25 years, Kroger generated cumulative returns 10 times the market and 80 times that of A&P. So we had this, one of the strongest companies in the world, and we had this middle of the road company, and all of a sudden, around the 60s and 70s, things changed, and Kroger took off, and A&P uh, shrunk down. A&P had a perfect model for the first half of the 20th century, when two world wars and depression imposed frugality upon Americans. Cheap, plentiful groceries sold in utilitarian stores. But the affluent second half of the century, 20th century, Americans changed. We, we're talking about culture shifts. In the second half of the century, there was a culture shift, and America changed, and Americans changed. And, and so there was a change. They wanted nicer stores, bigger stores. They wanted more choices. 
They wanted fresh baked bread, flowers, health foods, cold medicines, fresh produce, 45 choices of cereal, and 10 types of milk. They wanted offbeat items uh, like, <clears throat> like five different types of expensive sprouts and various concoctions of protein powder and Chinese healing herbs. Oh, and they wanted to be able to do their banking and get their annual flu shots while shopping. In short, they no longer wanted grocery stores, they wanted superstores. And, and so they wanted superstores that offered them everything. And so what we saw in the middle of the century, the 60s and 70s, was a great company who had a great model for the first half of the century to offer cheap, efficient groceries. All of a sudden, there was a culture shift, and, and America changed, and there was more affluence, and people wanted different things. How many of you shop at Kroger every once in a while? Okay, and, and so what happened was Kroger made a shift, a culture shift in who they were. A&P did not, and you saw the re, heard the result a minute ago, that Kroger took off, and now we have Kroger's all over the place, and I had never heard of A&P when I read this book. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? And so there was this culture shift. Why am I sharing this story with you? I'm sharing this story because I think what happened in these two companies in America is something that we're experiencing in the church today. I think there's been a culture shift. We talked about this two weeks ago. I think there's been a culture shift in our country, in our world, and I think the way that we view church has totally changed. It used to be that the church was the center of the community. There are lots of towns that are built around churches. It used to be that the church was the center of people's lives. They spent their time there. They built their relationships there. They did everything at church. Growing up, I was a pastor's kid, and, and we, we literally lived at the church several times. But we, sp we were there Sunday morning. We were there for hours into the afternoon, Sunday afternoon, because my parents talked forever. We were there again Sunday night. We were there Wednesday night. We were there three or four days in between. I mean, church was everything. And I, I think as a pastor, like, you know, church is, all, my life is totally centered around this church again, but the average person, that's not true anymore. We went from a culture where church was the center of the community and the center of people's lives to now a culture where church is just something that we fit into our lives. We lived in Charleston for a while. And one of the things that you'll notice in Charleston is when you go there, the tallest buildings in downtown Charleston are churches. That city was built around churches. There's other historical reasons, but, but that city was built around churches. But there's been a culture shift, and things are different now. See, people now, like we talked about superstores and all of the things that Kroger offered, man, now... People get their entertainment elsewhere. People build their relationships elsewhere. People do everything elsewhere except, man, people even worship outside of the building of the church. And so there's been this huge culture shift. People say that we are living in the post-Christian age. I'll tell you what, for years, I didn't want to accept that. I didn't want to believe that. As a kid that grew up in the church, I didn't want to believe that we were in the post-Christian age, but, but man, there's been a culture shift. And the truth is, 
The church is not the center of people's lives anymore. And I would dare say God may not be the center of a lot of people's lives anymore. So how do we respond to that as a church? What is the culture shift that has to happen? Well, there's two ways we can respond. Number one, we can get upset. We can think that we're right and they're wrong. And we can look at culture and say, you've missed the boat. And we can hope that culture will come back around and view the church as the center and view God as the center. We can hope that. We can be upset. We can think we're right. And I'm going to tell you, I think if that's our strategy, we're going to go the way that A&P did. We're not going to go forward because I think God is doing a new thing. We talked about this the first week of the series. I think God is doing a new thing. And even though culture has shifted and even though I love the days where the church towns were centered around the church, I want to tell you that God's kingdom has not ceased to operate and God's Holy Spirit has not stopped working because of our culture shift in America. It's a matter of us being a part of the new thing that God is doing. And so today we're talking about the outward piece of our vision, the outward piece that we are going to go. As a church, we've committed to do a few things. Number one, we're going to look at all of our outreach opportunities, and we're going to make sure that we are super focused on reaching people for Jesus. The other thing that we're going to do is we are going to take the church outward. We are going to serve our community. We're going to invest in our community. And we even have a goal that in the next three to five years, we are going to plant new churches. That we're not going to expect everyone just to come to us, but we are going to go. But today I want to talk about the personal side of this. It'd be easy to just tell you all the things we're going to do. But honestly... If there's not a culture shift in each and every one of our hearts, we're going to go the way that A&P did. We as a church will not be a part of the new thing that God is doing. Today we're going to look at Romans 10. And Romans 10 is, is Paul's letter to the church in Rome, and, and, and he's writing into this culture where there is this community, and there, there's the people that were religious, there's the Israelites, the Jewish people, and, and a lot of those people were stuck up in a, uh, in a legalistic faith. They thought that they could just by observing the law be holy, be who God wanted them to be. And so they were legalistic. So you had the religious people here and then you had the church, but then you had the Gentiles who God was reaching through the gospel, bringing into the kingdom. And so Paul writes into this atmosphere to the church in Rome. And, and in verse nine, he says this, the answer to the problem of a changing culture is this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew or, and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of, listen to this word, all and rich, richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know what the answer was for the church in Rome when Paul was writing to him? It was that people would come to know and believe and profess their faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what the answer is for, for us today in a changing culture? 
that the people around us would come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Our country, the the darkness we see around us, the darkness you see on social media, it's not going to be fixed by anything other than people's hearts and lives being changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the answer. And, and, And Paul says some important things. I emphasize the word all. Because here's the thing, I think as the church, it would be easy to sit back and say, we get it, you guys don't, so we're just going to live in, in our comfort, in our security. But, but Paul isn't saying get comfortable, Paul is saying people need to know Jesus. And so he says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved and, and I believe this wholeheartedly, and the, the scriptures tell us this, that it is God's desire that every person would come to know him and have faith in him and have salvation in him and have eternal life in him. That is God's will. And I'm not preaching universalism. This isn't a everybody gets in free card, but this is that God's will is for people to turn to him to repent of their sins, to believe in the work of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and to live for Jesus. That is God's will. And that means we as a church can't be comfortable locking ourselves down and letting the world be what it is. We as a church have to go. It's God's desire that all people would call on the name of the Lord and be saved. So what's the solution? I love verse 14 and 15. This is kind of reverse order here, but listen to this. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Listen, the answer for our world, for our country, for our neighbors today is knowing the name of Jesus and believing in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The way that's going to happen is we, the people of God, will be sent, will preach, will, will proclaim the gospel, and they'll hear it. And they'll obey it and they'll call on the name of the Lord. So let's work through that. Number one, we are sent. That idea sent is important. It says, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Let me ask you that question. How can the church preach the gospel to the world around it if we're not sent to the world around it? It's way too easy for us to get comfortable and think that this is about coming and having a good time and worshiping God and enjoying our security. But we, as the people of God, are sent by God into a world that needs Jesus to proclaim the gospel. There is no staying, there is no comfort in the call that God has put on our lives. We are sent. The Great Commission is go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. In our day, our, our faith has become kind of privatized. Our faith has become something that's a personal thing. And it's easy for us to have a faith that's shielded off from others, but Jesus sends us to go and make disciples and preach the word. 
We need to see ourselves as missionaries. And listen, this isn't the church, like the building, the, I want you to understand something today. You hear that, you probably hear this all the time. Maybe it's just me and I hear it all the time, but the church is not this physical location and the church is not the staff of the church and the church is not the people in leadership positions. The church is each and every one of us sitting here today. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord and and is saved is the church. And God wants to send the church into the community. And so culture has changed. People no longer are just flocking to the church like it used to be. Now it's a matter of the church, not me, us. We have to go and proclaim the good news. It used to be that the mission field was overseas. It used to be that if you wanted to do mission work, you would get on a plane and you would fly overseas and you would do mission work. And listen, that's still a thing. I love missions. I love going on mission trips overseas. But let me tell you something. Those places that we sent missionaries, guess what's happening now? They're sending missionaries here because we have a mission field right outside the doors of our church And we as a church better start seeing ourselves as missionaries Monday through Friday and not just when we go on trips. We are called to go. We are sent into our communities to share the gospel, which is number two. We preach the gospel. What the world needs more than anything else is to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the answer to their problems isn't things or money or success. The answer to their problems is Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. We need to preach that Jesus came, <coughs> that Jesus died on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins and that we can have life in Christ, eternal life through the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross with Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So we've got to preach the gospel. That's the hope for the world around us. We've got to preach the gospel. What does it mean for us to preach? Because I think some of you may be sitting there thinking, I'm not a preacher. I, I I get the privilege of standing up here every week and preaching to you. I like doing this. It can be stressful at times, but I like doing this. But I'm not the only preacher in this congregation. And preaching isn't just about standing on a platform and preaching to people in a church. Preaching is about the way we live our lives. Before we we came up here today, the worship team met before our first service and we talked about the fact that we're preaching in everything we do as we sing our songs, as we meet each other, as we love each other, we're preaching the gospel. And so we are called to preach. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do you hear that calling from Jesus to his disciples? That's right before Jesus leaves them and he says, the Holy Spirit's gonna come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and all the earth. That's not a... Stay comfortable message. That's a go. Be my witnesses. So how can you preach the gospel? How can you preach the gospel? I want you to think about that. Teens, how can you preach the gospel? Not everyone's called to stand up in front of people and and speak. 
But every single one of us is called to preach the gospel and share the hope of Christ with the people around us. I'll tell you one of the best ways is that each and every one of us has a story of what God has done in our lives. The best, the best way that you can preach the gospel is sharing your story, sharing what God's done in your life. You can preach the gospel by hearing other people's stories and sharing how God can work in their stories. You can preach the gospel simply by talking about the goodness of God. Man, we as a church don't spend enough time talking about the goodness of our God. God is good. You can preach the gospel by inviting others to come to a Bible study or a church where you're going to talk deeper. You can, and listen, there, you can do this. And you are called to do this. You can preach the gospel by praying with and for people. One of the most awesome things that's happened this year um, with a lot of the changes, we played softball. We play softball every year. We play on Tuesdays and Friday nights in Mason. And this year was a really strange year for us because on Tuesday nights and Friday nights, our softball team was about half or more than half people that have never walked in the doors of this church. That's pretty cool. I'll tell you what, I work in a church. I've lived around the church. I come to church on the weekend. For me, I'm at the church a lot, but it was really refreshing to have softball teams that were filled with guys that haven't come to the church. And I met with one of our other softball guys just the other night, and we talked about how can we preach the gospel. We didn't say preach the gospel, but how can we share the love and the hope of Christ with guys on the softball field? It's not just Sunday morning that we preach. It's every single day. And the only hope for our post-Christian world is if we are his witnesses. Not we corporate, not we the professionals, we, you, me, each and every one of us are witnesses of God's goodness and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's not an easy thing. It's uncomfortable to share your faith. It's uncomfortable to preach. I don't know if you know this, but preaching is fairly uncomfortable at times. In fact, sometimes I'm sitting here preaching to you and I'm thinking, what am I doing up here? These people are sleeping. <laughs> what, does this even make sense? I, I remember a few years ago, I, I was asked to do a funeral and I had no clue who the person was. I didn't know much of the family. I knew a couple people that were going to be at that funeral. And I was asked to go into that funeral, and I felt very strongly that that message needed to be me preaching the gospel. But man, I'm going to tell you, I was, I was nervous. I mean, standing up in front of people you don't know and preaching the gospel is a scary thing. But listen to me. We are called to do it. We are called to speak truth, and there's no hiding behind discomfort. If God calls us to preach, we preach. Let me ask you a question. Do we really believe that the gospel that we have, do we really believe that the God that's worked in our life, do we really believe that the answer for the world around us is the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross? Do we believe that? If we do, then we'd better be preaching. In fact, it's not our job to make people believe. It's not our job to save people. It's our job to preach the gospel. 
And so I went into that funeral and I preached and I don't know if a single person heard me, but I do know this, if God calls me to preach, I'm gonna preach. And so I wanna ask you to boldly share your faith. I wanna ask you to go be sent and intentionally share the gospel with people around you. You don't have to do it in 30 minute lectures, you can do it through conversations, through loving them. Are you willing to preach the gospel. I had a friend growing up and uh, we, we were living in Texas and it was right around when we got to junior high and I played sports with this guy and I'm just being honest with you, it's always, I've never been somebody who's super comfortable just in conversation talking to people about my faith. I, I was sheltered in a, you know, in a home that everything I did was in the church, but I had this friend um, named Gus. And one night Gus and I were just hanging out at the house and he started to ask me questions about God. And I realized in that moment that God was calling me, I, I didn't think God was calling me to preach, but that God was calling me to share my faith, to share the goodness of God with Gus. And, and it was uncomfortable, but I did it. And you know what? He didn't kneel down right there and he didn't accept Christ in that moment. But about 10 years ago, I got the opportunity to go back to Texas and I thought, I got to look Gus up and I got to make sure he's doing okay. So I actually went to his house and he didn't live there anymore, but I tracked him down. I used my Pastor Dale stalking skills and I, I tracked him down. And it just so happened that Gus was going through a really hard time. And, and once again, I had an opportunity to preach the gospel. And he didn't kneel at the table in that restaurant and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, but I could tell you that I know today that Gus is walking with Jesus, and I don't know what did it, I don't know wh when it happened, I don't know any of that, but I do know that we are called to preach, and I don't want to miss opportunities to share the gospel with others. If we will preach the gospel, others will hear the gospel. That's the third part. There's five. These last three are going to move pretty quick. Others will hear the gospel if we preach it. Now, I want to say something. We've got to preach the gospel. We've got to preach it faithfully. We can't preach the wrong version of the gospel. We can't preach a legalism or a hatefulness or an arrogance. We have to preach the love and the work of Jesus Christ. If we will be faithful to do that, people will hear the gospel, which leads us to number four. When people hear the gospel, they will believe in God. Not every single person will choose the gospel. Not every single person will choose to believe in God. But if we'll be faithful, God's power and God's spirit will be at work and people will believe in God. And number five, they will call on the name of the Lord. Listen, have any of you been praying for someone for a long time that you wanted to know Jesus? How awesome is it gonna be when they call on the name of the Lord? How awesome is it going to be when all those moments of preaching and sharing your faith, how awesome is it going to be when God's Spirit works in them and they call on the name of the Lord and believe? It'll happen. That's what God wants. But we, His church, have to be faithful to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so I want you to go Go confidently. I want you to preach boldly. 
And I want each and every one of us today to understand that we're not called to just be a part of a community that comes to church, but we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We are called to be the preachers of God's holy gospel every single day. Saturday morning, I talked last week about how I I don't love getting up early on Saturday mornings and going to prayer group. I love the prayer group. I don't love being up that early, but let me tell you my favorite part of the prayer group. The prayer group's a group of guys that I don't know if I, I really knew many of them very well before we started praying together every Saturday. But you know what the best part of that prayer group is? I like gathering, I like praying, I like talking about what's going on in our lives. You know what the best part is? Is hearing each of those guys who three years ago I really didn't know that well, hearing each and every one of them how they are sharing their faith every single day. I'm telling you, in that group, we hear stories like, you know, I had a run-in with the garbage man, and then God told me to share my faith with him, and so I've been sharing my faith with the garbage man. Or there's this person at work who's going through a hard time, and I think God wants me to share my faith with them, and so I've been, listen, that group is awesome because it's a group of men that are committed, not just to come to church, but committed to share and preach the Word of God every single day in their lives. And that's what you and I are called to as well. And you can do it. The last line of that, of that scripture says, how beautiful are the hands and feet, how, I mean, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Let me just, I'm sorry to those of you that are in my Saturday group, if you looked at us, you probably wouldn't think we were that beautiful as a group. But man, there's nothing more beautiful than a group of men that are committed to share the hope of Christ with the world around them. And it is awesome to come together and hear that. So we are called, we are sent, we are to preach the gospel, we are to preach the good news. And if we will be faithful to do it, the power of the Holy Spirit will work and people will believe and people will call on God. So let me ask you two questions. The worship team can go ahead and come up. Let me ask you these two, these two questions actually that I want you to ask God today, right now. I'm going to pray in a minute. And as I pray, I want you to ask two questions. Number one, where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to go? Are, are you willing to ask these questions to God and just shake your head? I need to know that you guys are with me. Are you willing to ask these questions? Number one, God, where do you want me to go? Number two, God, what do you want me to do? Listen, I... I know that God is working. I know that the world is changing and there's been this culture shift and we live in the post-Christian age, but I want to tell you that God's kingdom has worked through age after age after age and problem after problem after problem. And you know why? It's because God's people are faithful to share the hope of Christ with the world around them. So let's pray and ask God, where do you want me to go today, this week? What do you want me to do? Jesus, we love you today. I thank you for these wonderful friends that, that are gathered together to worship you. I thank you that you're with us, Lord. I thank you that you called us. And I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't walk out of these doors without understanding that we are sent out these doors. 
to speak your truth, to speak your hope, to preach your gospel to the world around us. I pray that as each and every one of us asks you, where do you want me to go? Lord, what do you want me to do? I pray that you would make it crystal clear that you would, you would prompt us, Lord, to share the hope that you've offered us, the work that you've done in our lives with people around us. Lord, speak to us. And as we go, Lord, I pray that you would send us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill us. And I pray that your kingdom would grow even in a post-Christian age. I pray that your kingdom and your church would grow because of your power and your spirit poured out through your people. And so I commit right now, and I pray that each of us will commit right now to be obedient to where and what you want us to do, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We pray that you would work in our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen.